Welcome to Latinos Who Tech. My name is Hugo Castellanos. I'm an engineer and I work in Silicon Valley. I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I've been calling the U.S. home for the last 20 years. When it comes to Latinos in the U.S., we are 60 million people, but we're only 3% of the workers in science or engineering. As a professional in Silicon Valley, I've had the opportunity to meet some remarkable professionals that work in the tech industry, Latinos like me. With this podcast, I want to bring you a collection of their stories and how they got a job in tech in the first place. And if they had to start all over again, what would they do differently? I want to share with you career advice on how to get a job in tech, how to deal with imposter syndrome, how to find your tribe when you're the only one in the room. This is Latinos Who Tech. Erika Torres, welcome to Latinos Who Tech. Gracias, muchas gracias, Hugo. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you for making it. On a Monday, out of all days, you know, the busiest day of the week for some, I, I really appreciate you making the time. Thank you for inviting me. It's great to be here. So should I call you Dr. Torres or Erika is fine? Erika is fine. Got it. Because mm -hmm. you're a unicorn. You're a Latina, Mexican-American, PhD. That's rare. So can you tell me a bit about yourself and your journey here to Silicon Valley? I was born in Mexico and uh, migrated to the U.S. We went back and forth since I was like four years old and then finally decided to migrate permanently mm -hmm. 20 years ago. So I was able to finish high school and you know go to college and grad school here. And um, I've always been fascinated by like people and like how people think and what motivates people and mm -hmm. what inspires them, what gets in the way of progress for people. And so psychology seemed like a really good fit. And mm -hmm. so I decided that I wanted to go to college and uh, pursue a degree in psychology. And so I did at San Francisco State, completing my undergraduate in psychology. One of my sociology professors, he just reached out to me one day after class and he said, you know, I know of this program. This is a National Institute of uh, Mental Health program for students who are first generation college students who are mm -hmm. people of color and diverse people. And they help you to go to grad school. And it's like a two year fellowship and you have to get into research and you have to apply for this program. And I would love to be a reference for you and I was like what that sounds awesome <laughs> and so, yeah, so you got a sponsor right there yes, you know, somebody that wants to yes, vouch, yes, for, yes. vouch for you and that's absolutely and I, I think I've had a lot of sponsors in my life but he was a pivotal person and so he encouraged me to apply and then he was a reference and I got in and that program really changed my life because it encouraged me to go to grad school and pursue a degree in psychology and research a doctorate degree And so they helped me prepare for like the entrance exams and they did a very intensive like two-year research fellowship where I did some research at UCSF and I did some research at San Francisco State and then I went to grad school. And so I was very much tracked to be a psychologist and, you know, mm. a researcher. And I loved it. I really did. And along the way, I became very burned out, I think, by mm. the systems. Uh, like I've really tried every different possible iteration of mm -hmm. being in academia as a consultant, as a clinician, as a manager in health settings. And I felt that I needed to make a change. And I really am passionate about technology. Like I've always been interested in technology. Uh, in undergrad, I actually did some study uh, at UCSF working on an online smoking cessation program. Mm -hmm. 
So that was an interesting introduction. And then for my dissertation, I studied internet use in the context of like emotional wellness and social support. So mm. I've always been very fascinated, but I think I was just tracked to be a psychologist mm. just based on life and personal experiences. And once I realized that I needed to make a change, I started to look around and ask a lot of questions, met a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I've talked probably to over 100 people about a number of different stories about how they got to do what they're doing in all kinds of areas in tech, from engineers to researchers to product managers, project managers, marketing, sales. I would say about three or four years ago, I became more serious about making the transition and I wasn't mm -hmm. sure how I would do it because I didn't want to go back to school. <laughs> and so through this, like what I'm calling career discovery interviews, I decided that... I love that name. <laughs> I love that name. Yeah, because yeah. I, I call them informational interviews. It's the same thing, but that career discovery, because you're not only learning about what they do, you're learning about what you like. Yes. So it's almost yes. like a two-way kind of discovery. Yes. What inspired me to call them career discovery interviews was uh, Steve Blank's work on like lean startup and like customer discovery process. And it just made sense. Yeah, you're such a product manager. <laughs> like lean startup. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I discovered product management through those career discovery interviews. I realized that mm -hmm. all of the different skills that I have, all of the passions, all of the background, the different things that I've done were really a good fit for product management. And I actually mm -hmm. had no idea product management existed up until like three or four years ago. And so I decided to investigate what that was about. And I was like on a mission to make that change. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. I'm a strong believer that you can learn something new from anyone you meet. That is why every month I compile all the key learnings from this podcasting experience and summarize them in my monthly newsletter. I curate the resources we talk about, key learnings, books I'm currently reading, and give you recommendations on how to become a better Latino professional. You can sign up following the show notes or at latinoswhotech.com. Thank you. Take one step back, though. You finished your PhD. You submitted your thesis. You defended your thesis. You are Doctora Torres. Mm -hmm. And you became a professor mm -hmm. for a while, like three years or so. Mm -hmm. How was that like? I really loved it. And I... You know, I was doing that on the side because I wanted to kind of like understand if I really wanted to do that. And, uh, you know, sadly, like being a professor doesn't really pay your bills, no. but I still wanted to give back and I wanted to try it out. So I did. I did that for almost four years and it was amazing. I really loved it because it was an opportunity for me to learn more about myself and what I did know and what I didn't know and what I needed to like gain more insight about. Um, it was great learning for me, actually. Like, I feel so privileged to have learned from so many different students and have been able to, like, impart some insight into their worldview. I mean, it's it, it was just mm -hmm. amazing. Uh, it's funny because the first class that I taught was psychobiology, and that was one of the areas that I thought was, like, maybe a weaker point for me. Mm -hmm. And I decided to do it in spite of that. I decided that, in fact, that was the main reason why I, I wanted to do it. Yeah, that so was that a selling I could, point. Yeah. I need to get better at this. So I need to get more exposed exactly. to this. Exactly. And... and that changed my life because as a result of that, I realized that I really love neuroscience and I really love sort of like the biological and cognitive basis of mm -hmm. behavior. And uh, it led me to like get into the field of behavioral medicine, which is where I ended up specializing in in my postdoc. 
and um, beyond that, you know, working in hospital settings uh, and integrated behavioral health. And it was the best thing I could have done. It's amazing. Yeah. Because, because you went from academia to this hospital setting as um, mm-hmm. Did you see patients as a psychologist? Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I was seeing patients in all kinds of settings. I was a consult liaison. What that means is, let's say that you go to the hospital because you have appendicitis or mm-hmm. something and you have to get a you know surgery. And somewhere along the way, someone decides that, you know, maybe you need to see someone professionally because maybe you're coming across as extremely depressed or extremely anxious or extremely mm-hmm. whatever. And they're like really concerned about yeah. you, like actually going into surgery because maybe you don't seem very stable, right? Mm-hmm. Then they would call me to do an assessment to determine your ability to cope with that surgery and to do a thorough assessment, like on the spot, which is really an int- like you mm-hmm. have like 30 minutes right. to do a quote unquote thorough assessment to determine more or less whether or not you are really able to withstand that surgery and, you know, get that treatment that you need and if you're not ready to get you ready as soon as possible through mm-hmm. some counseling or coaching or getting your family involved or what have you and, uh, and that was just one aspect of it I also worked with like brain injured adults and people with mm-hmm. uh, spinal cord injuries I worked with uh, people in long-term care who've just been like you know chronically ill and like hospitalized for many many weeks and months sometimes mm-hmm. years Um, And I also worked with people who were trying to survive uh, HIV and AIDS. And in addition to that, I worked with just plain average folks who were not chronically ill, who just went for a physical and maybe checked yes on the depression screener. And they needed someone to come and check, you know, check in with them and then give them an appointment for follow up. That kind of warm handoff, you know, Mm -hmm. so that they wouldn't like fall through the cracks. So I've really done it all. Yeah, the whole spectrum. Yeah. And I know we can't discuss specifics, but as a patient, I remember that once I checked off the box that I wasn't getting enough sleep and they brought somebody like you mm. to talk with me. Okay, Hugo, so how are things at home? And she actually did that assessment mm-hmm. for me and realized that, ah, okay, everything is okay psychologically, but yeah, you just need to stop drinking coffee after 2 p.m. So just because I checked that box mm-hmm. and I did it consistently after two or three visits, mm-hmm. they actually brought in a psychologist to talk with me about these things. So I really appreciate the fact that there are people like like you that did that job mm. because it's, I mean, mental health is uh, it's very dear to my heart. And something that people that listen to this keep listening is that I always say that we work with machines. We're not machines. Mm-hmm. So mental health is, I mean, your brain, does, your mind is something you have to take care of. Mm-hmm. You only have one. Yes. I'm so glad you had that experience that they actually did follow up with mm-hmm. you. It would have been great if they had done that the first time you checked the box. But, right. you know, there's a lot of challenges with resources in mm-hmm. healthcare. And so, you know, we do the best we can. No, and you I probably you. were not like a high risk patient that needed to be seen immediately, but I'm glad mm-hmm. they eventually got to you. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Too. I hear yeah. you. So you have a, such an interesting journey because you were pursuing this PhD. You got your job as an adjunct professor. Mm-hmm. You got your job at the hospital. You're in the hospital system now. So why tech? Why do you want to become a product manager? Like, was there a catalyzing moment? Mm. Was there a nagging curiosity in the back Mm. of your mind why tech i think i have always been fascinated by tech and honestly i was reflecting about this very recently that if my career path and my personal journey had been a little different 
I probably would have been tracked to do something more in tech, maybe become an engineer, maybe do like mm -hmm. engineering and business or something like that. But just given the nature of like the trajectory of my life, I was tracked to be a psychologist, which I, again, have no regrets. But I am just very fascinated by technology. That just didn't seem like an available choice at the time for mm. a number of different reasons that I won't get into right now. But the other thing, once it did become available, once I was able to open my mind to the possibilities and, and kind of after these like career discovery interviews that were super informational and I was like, oh my goodness, so you do research, so you talk to people, so you design solutions and you do this and you do that. It's like, that's exactly what I've been doing. We just call it something else. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very mm -hmm. different terms, but it's the exact same skill set. Right. Then I thought, well, this is really something that I can pursue without having back to go back to school and really leverage those skills. But I think the other thing, the privilege that I have is I am surrounded. I live in the Silicon Valley. Right. I literally live down the street from like Google Apple and, and Apple. Google yeah. and LinkedIn and you know we're actually neighbors by yes. standard. like yes. less than a mile we're away we're neighbors standards, yeah. uh, technically neighbors by, by those standards so at that mm -hmm. point like later in my life as I was like in grad school and mm -hmm. finishing my graduate degree uh, I met my husband who is a software engineer and my world just changed for a number of different reasons one of them is because I found him and he's an awesome and amazing person. But the other <laughs> one is that his worldview is so different. His experience is so different. And our circle began to change. And my exposure to different things began to change and just opened my eyes to the possibilities. And then the more I dug into it, I realized that especially in the realm of like tech for good or mm -hmm. health tech, there's just enormous potential. And so it seemed to me like, you know, quote unquote, low hanging fruit to make that transition between being in healthcare and being in health tech as like the easier transition. Not to mention that that is what I'm passionate about, you know, mm -hmm. in my heart and soul. So it just made sense to kind of delve deeper into that and really then hone in my search to that realm of like mm -hmm. health tech and tech for good, as opposed to just kind of like casting the wide net. I was like right. starting to narrow down my focus. And, and the fact that you knew that you didn't want to go back to school for another degree, mm -hmm. during your PhD, when you're doing your research, do you have any exposure to data analysis tools like SQL or mm -hmm. things like that? Do you code at all or, or not I, so much? I did not have as much exposure to SQL, though I'm very proficient in SPSS. And I'm actually starting mm. to learn SQL and Python on my own because I find it fascinating and interesting. And so I'm noticing some very interesting parallels between SQL and SPSS, as well as some very different ways of looking right. at the data. But yes, I, I was exposed, but not from the perspective of engineering and like tech infrastructure, but rather like end user mm -hmm. experience, right? Because if you think of SPSS, it's really a user-friendly tool. Like mm -hmm. I can understand the syntax, I can type the syntax, but I don't need to know or code the syntax in order to use SPSS, right? Like the right. interface is such that it's friendly, it it's easy, it's straightforward. Yeah. And with that in mind, I really like the fact that you're mentioning that you're seeing parallels uh -huh. because I'm a language geek. So mm. same thing that if you learn Spanish, then Portuguese is going to be uh -huh. a little bit easier. Uh -huh. And if you learn German, maybe Dutch is going to be easier. Uh -huh. So same thing. And it's very common So for you that you're listening to this and you're wondering which language do you want to pick up. I always encourage Python first uh -huh. because uh -huh. it's very straightforward. There's a lot of resources there. But know that... It's something that people regularly do mm -hmm. as part of their job. I need to learn JavaScript. I need to learn this new tool. I switch companies. They do mm -hmm. things here in a different system and you need to learn it. So 
Uh, superpower is learn how to learn. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's something that you embrace when you switch to tech. Okay, so you met your husband, mm -hmm. wonderful guy, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, you always speak highly of him, so and I'm <laughs> sure that he's agree. So you're curious about getting a career in tech, and how did you go about finding product management? How do you go about deciding that this is my next move? So after all of these different people that I talked with, I literally have a spreadsheet of all the people I talked with, and I like I did like a theme analysis on mm -hmm. like what are these different people talking about? What yeah. was their trajectory? What's, I'm sorry, what's a theme analysis? So well, I did a very informal one, but like in qualitative research, you can do theme analyses where like you actually have scripts or like transcripts of data, and mm -hmm. you can start coding. There's actually software that you can use to code, but I did not use software. I just kind of glanced mm -hmm. through it. Just picking out some themes, some common themes that I was finding, and then just kind of writing about them to see like what was standing out for me, what seemed interesting, what seemed less interesting, what was something that would require me to go back to school versus not go back to school, you know, like all the different things, mm -hmm. like really like a mind map of mm -hmm. my decision making process. And I was able to come up with product management as like the best fit, mm -hmm. just based on the data, if you will. And <laughs> and also my gut feeling and my experience of talking to these different people mm -hmm. who were in product management. And, you know, one thing that stood out for me talking to with, with all these different people is that what I came to find out is that really any path can lead to product management. Mm -hmm. I mean, I talked with so many different people. There was one person with like a background in like chemistry. And then somehow she was doing like product management for like aerospace all of a sudden. There was another person who had background in, I want to say physics or something. And, and he was doing product management for like an online uh, eyeglass company or something like that. I mean, it was just like very diverse experiences. And it also inspired me. It made me feel like, yeah, I can totally do this. And it's super fascinating. It's super interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm all about finding, you know, solutions to problems and actually identifying the problems to begin with. And it seems like that's the mm -hmm. essential component of being a product manager. Of course, it's there's many more aspects to it. Oh, of course. But I, I thought, yeah, I can totally do this. This seems very interesting. And I can actually make a difference at scale without burning out, you know, preserving my own sound and keeping true to my values and being consistent and stable in my life, which was lacking for me in my professional world. So it just made sense. Like the data spoke to me, my gut spoke <laughs> to me, it just made sense. And I love the fact that, of course, you have a PhD, but you didn't have a formal background in tech, engineering mm -hmm. or a technology job, but you were able to find an opportunity in tech and make a complete career change. Because mm -hmm. um, a lot of people that listen to this, they've asked me, Hugo, you always interview engineers and people that went to school for engineering, but what about breaking into tech mm -hmm. from something that's completely different? And that's fascinating. If it's okay with you, I want to get a little bit more tactical mm -hmm. because you mentioned that you interview over a hundred people and you made a spreadsheet and all this, but how do you approach people when you want to do these career discovery interviews? That's a great question. So I am very active on LinkedIn. I really love LinkedIn. It's super user-friendly and... I just leveraged my LinkedIn insights and for all the people who might be listening who might be, I don't know, affiliated with LinkedIn, I actually have thought about like just reaching out to LinkedIn and talking with them about this. So I might do this mm -hmm. anyway. If there was a way for me to show just for myself even to have a record of like the transformation that my LinkedIn page had mm -hmm. as a reflection of like my process, mm -hmm. I think that would be 
super interesting to me to have. And it might actually be super interesting for people who are making that transition to have as like mm, black okay. and white data. Because I don't have a copy of what my original LinkedIn page looked like, but I can tell you that however many years later I've been on LinkedIn, it is a completely different LinkedIn page. And so the first thing that I did was like rebrand myself and it was a slow progression. And and there were times when I was like literally going in there like several times a day, making little tweaks and adjustments based on some conversation I had with someone. I was like, oh, they talked about this kind of research and I totally have that experience, but we're, you know, in my healthcare, you know, academic mm -hmm. psychology world, we call it this thing, but in the tech world, we call it this thing. So I need to somehow mm -hmm. make that available on LinkedIn, right? Right. So I really like applied what I learned from these people, like on the spot basis with my LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helped because the very first job that I got from uh, working at a startup in behavioral health tech care coordination, the person who was my boss for a year, he reached out to me on LinkedIn. I would have never known that he was looking or mm -hmm. that they even existed. Right. And I think it was because something about my profile spoke to him as someone who's open and looking to make that transition and who has the skills and insight that they needed at the time. Mm -hmm. And that was the opening for me because once I was able to get this job and I realized that I really loved the work, I knew that there was a number of different things I needed to do to like iterate on my professional design, if you will, professional life design to just get there, to make that transition. And so I did that. And then because my profile was more a reflection of what I wanted to be doing as opposed to what I had been doing, mm -hmm. which it's an interesting balance there, I felt more confident reaching out to people on LinkedIn. So I literally would just like search for people with the types of keywords that I thought might be relevant based Got on it. conversations I had with people, either people I knew or people that I met on LinkedIn and I would just message them and I would just send like a brief message like, hey, you know, my name is so-and-so. I'm really fascinated mm -hmm. by your experience. I would love to spend a few minutes learning more about how you got there. Please let me know if you have like five minutes to spare. You can call me or I can call you. Mm -hmm. or... mm -hmm. And it was like a very brief, like three very sentence. Concise. Very concise. Make it easy for them to say yes. Mm -hmm. Let me know if you're willing. And many times people wouldn't respond, but many more they did. And and then yeah. the, the other thing as part of the career discovery interview process, if you will, which is again borrowed from this other framework, is at the end of each interview, I always ask people to consider letting me know if they have anyone in mind that I can talk to mm -hmm. about this. And so it becomes like a snowball sampling, right, yeah. of like referrals. And so I've had several referrals to, to, oh yeah, you should talk to my former boss, such and such, or mm. you should talk to Michael Madre over there or whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, and let me connect you to my comadre or, you know, maybe you can request a connection on LinkedIn or send an email or something. And that's how I ended up talking to so many people. And yeah. I continue to do that actually even now. I just yeah. had a conversation with someone this morning in that same spirit. And I think that's how we met. Yes. I think that's how, but I don't remember if I reached out to you or you reached out to me. I don't remember either, but I think perhaps we yeah. can go back and look at the yeah. record. I'm really curious because I would have reached out to you anyways, because as part of the whole podcast process, I do something very similar. Mm. So I have mm. a list of questions that the audience wants to get answered. Mm. And I match people that fit that profile to my guest list. So something very similar. So I, I think that or paths would have crossed anyhow. 
Yeah, it's a small oh, world. Happy especially. they did. Happy they did. Of course, since we're neighbors, like they were yeah, we're technically now. neighbors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and it's also a small world when it comes to Latinos and tech. So one of the things mm-hmm. that I've noticed, well, two other things I want to mention. One is that since I've become more a part of the community, I've really made it a point to like be involved in LinkedIn, but also like Slack channels. Slack channels has been mm-hmm. a fascinating way for me to network with people. Which uh, another plug for Slack. If any Slack uh, people mm-hmm. are uh, listening, but um, yeah. I've had a Slack people in the podcast and it's a fascinating it's tool a fascinating, fascinating culture too absolutely how they work inside is really exciting yes yes and i would have never thought that a like co-working tool would actually be a great networking tool but it is and mm-hmm. so i'm a part of a number of different like latino related and not latino related tech groups and i just introduce myself say like hey i would love to connect here's my linkedin profile like let's you know chat and i've actually been able to have a lot of conversations and meet a lot of interesting people that Mm -hmm. way as well and lots of opportunities are available and the other thing is with latinos and tech what i wanted to say is like what i realized is that remember that one event that wasn't happening in january that you had mentioned i think it was Mm -hmm. like a Mm -hmm. new year party or something What was interesting is that that same week, within like three days, I got the same event notification from like all the different networks that I am a part of. Mm. And what that said to me is that we are a small but mighty group. Mm. And there's just so much overlap that if you are in one of these networks, you inevitably are going to find yourself in these other networks. So I think we would have anyway found each other. Yeah, whether it's uh, Society of Hispanic Professional Engineers, whether it's Prospanica, whether it's one of the employee resource groups at big companies, you know, Facebook, Google, they're very active mm-hmm. and they do external mm-hmm. events. There was this event just recently with uh, Somos, mm-hmm. the Netflix ERG. Mm-hmm. I have friends at Apple that want to rebrand their Latino ERG. Mm-hmm. So because Apple has this culture of need to know basis. Mm. It's very secretive. Very classified, yeah. And, uh, and that's fine. That's how they operate. But then you know how Latinos are. Yeah. We're very open we're and we're very curious. <laughs> and we're very, of course. And there's this, uh, not positive, it's not negative, it's there. There's this like chisme like, yeah. thing that, and it's not negative. It's more about like, I really want to know who you are and mm-hmm. I really want to know where you come from and I really want to know which friends we have in common. Yes, yes, yes. So it's tough because I find that a lot of my Apple friends, this need to know basis culture mm. leaks into their personal life sometimes. Mm-hmm. My advice for anybody that wants to you know, connect with people at Apple, reach out, but don't talk about anything Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Ask them about their hobbies or yeah, uh, soccer yeah. or, or, or anything else. Going back to you and, and your journey, your career discovery journey, you have your list, you have your theme analysis, PM, you want to be a product manager. How do you get your first opportunity as a product manager? So this guy contacted me on LinkedIn. At that time, I was transitioning out of managing an intensive outpatient program at Kaiser and trying to dabble into private practice Mm -hmm. as a sort of last resort to try to figure out, like, is it possible that maybe private practice is what I need to be doing, even though I knew that it probably wasn't. But, you know, just to give it a chance, you know, why not? One last chance. And uh, it came just at the right time because they were looking for a clinical product manager, which was more of like a subject matter expert, Mm -hmm. you know, really informing like how to make decisions about where this product that already existed would be headed. And I was able to do that on a part-time basis while holding a very small patient caseload. 
And so it was an amazing opportunity. And what is worth mentioning is that I made a choice and, you know, thanks to like mm. having a supportive spouse and just, you know, mm-hmm. really having a mission and a vision for this, I was able to take a significant pay cut in order to mm. really experiment with this. I mean, really just talk about prototyping, right? Like mm-hmm. just really mm-hmm. like trying to figure things out. And I was able to do that for a year before I realized that, you know, I couldn't continue to do that with the financial situation at this particular company, but that there were so many other things that I could be doing and I could transition into fully and, you know, leave the private practice and just take the plunge. So I had a period of time for a year where I was just kind of like testing the waters and really exploring if it was the best fit. And then I shortly realized that it really was, that it was something that I wanted to do. I'm so happy you were able to make the, the switch yes. and so you have these, this support around you. And I want to double down on something you mentioned that one of the things that help you become a product manager is that they were looking for a subject matter expert on something you already knew. Mm -hmm. Because you can just pull out your PhD and your 10 years of experience as a clinical psychologist and say, I'm a subject matter expert. So for you that you're listening to this and you're curious about being a product manager, think about what are you a subject matter expert on? Maybe you have 10 years of experience in public policy or secondary education or anything, transportation. Maybe you come from more traditional career path that's not in tech. Guess what? You're a subject matter expert in that path. And all the companies that are building products for that audience, they need product managers that can speak the language. I know how are the people using those products. So I think that's a really interesting way to pivot. Just look at your industry, look at what you're doing now that's not tech related and look, okay, so who are the vendors that are reaching out to me every week trying to sell me a new app or a new product mm-hmm. or a new service and just leverage those opportunities. That is such a great point because the more I learn about product management, the more I realize that there's just different components of being a product manager mm-hmm. and you know, you really do need to be a subject matter expert in some aspect of the product, right? And it doesn't mean necessarily that you have 10 years of experience in that, but you have to be really well versed. And so you can definitely leverage that. You also have to have some tech savviness. You don't have to code. You don't have to be an engineer, though some jobs require you to code and be an engineer because that's just the nature of the product that they're building. Maybe it's too complex or maybe too tech heavy, but there's definitely a technical component. And then there's a business component, Mm -hmm. right? You need to be able to understand like the business objectives of the product Mm -hmm. and, you know, what are the use cases and such, right? Mm -hmm. Around like what's the ROI, what are the the pricing bands? Exactly. And the most important thing that I found was super interesting is you need to be able to empathize with the user and like really relate to the user. And I felt that in all this kind of, if you think of it as a Venn diagram, like I felt very strongly on the subject matter expert side and on empathizing on the user. And I felt relatively strongly on the business part and, you know, perhaps less strong on the tech part. But I felt that I had like a really good case to make mm-hmm. about how I could really make a difference and contribute in this way. Because there's, I can always learn more about tech. I can always learn more about the right. specific business case, which anyway, we would have to do regardless because mm-hmm. every business case is different with every company every product and I had experience doing some business consulting you know in marketing so I didn't feel like it was super foreign so mm. I felt like you know overall like three of the four areas I felt pretty strongly like why not take a chance right. you know let them decide if they don't want to take a chance on me but why do I have to make that decision for them exactly. so I just like went for it I'm so happy you were able to make the pivot so knowing what you know now after you've landed your first PM gig 
you've been a PM for a couple like, of years now. So I ended with this smaller startup, and I and mm-hmm. I'm currently with another startup. So as a product manager, I've been working for a year and a half. That's amazing. Um, but really transitioning and just learning more about that for the last, I would say, three years. So knowing what you know now, that you've been a product manager for almost three years, what would you do differently if you had to start your career discovery journey all over again? Would you do anything differently? What uh, do you think you would change? Yeah, so the journey of becoming a product manager has been like a three-year journey. Like the actual being a product manager has been for a year and a half. Oh, so okay, I just okay, want to clarify. Okay. No, of course. I don't want to no, misrepresent myself. But honestly, I really think that having a framework for how to tackle what it is we want to tackle and whatever transition we want to make has been super helpful. Mm-hmm. So I think I would do that the same. Mm-hmm. You know, just trying to figure out the framework. I honestly think the main thing that I would be doing differently if I could speak to myself in the future or something like that. Mm-hmm. If my future self could have like gone back in time and been like, Erica, do it this way. I would have probably done it sooner. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was in the making for many years before I finally made that determination that I needed to make a change, which was about three or so years ago. Right. But I think I already knew this some years before that. And I think out of fear, out of not knowing, out of a number of different things, just like, you know, we don't know what we don't know kind right. of thing and feeling like I, I had committed so much time and money and energy into this career just did not make sense at the time to like pivot but the more I thought about it the more I realized that it did it really did because life is too short so I would just do it sooner so like if anyone out there is like really contemplating making this change I would say like there's never a better time like now just do it now just start you know, informing mm-hmm. yourself, start networking with people, start connecting. The other thing I did, which I wanted to mention is like, I went to a lot of networking events and mm-hmm. I went and it took a lot of different online courses, a lot of workshops. Like mm. I was like on a mission. So I felt like a lot of the quote unquote knowledge gaps that I had, which are being filled by these different methods, mm-hmm. you know, in lieu of going back and getting an MBA or of something, course. going, becoming an engineer. I'm just doing these things on the side to kind of fill right. the gap. So that I would say start doing sooner mm-hmm. if that's something that you want to transition into. Of course. I mean, there's so many online resources that you can take while you still have your day job and mm-hmm. you are exploring this path. Because guess what? Maybe for some people, it's not being a product manager. For some people, it's maybe being a UX researcher. Mm -hmm. Maybe for some people, it's actually, you know what? I really like coding. I want to take it to the next level. I'm going to join a boot camp and do it that way. So there's different. Everybody's journey is different. Absolutely. But I will echo what you said about start now. Mm -hmm. Because it's never been easier to pivot into a career in technology. You don't have to quit your job and go back to engineering school for four or five years. Mm -hmm. You can look for opportunities inside your own company. Mm -hmm. So I will echo that. And I'm so happy that that you believe that you think so as well. That Mm -hmm. you starting now is uh, key. Yes. I totally agree. And, you know, the more I, I look at different like LinkedIn profiles and talk to different people, I'm just impressed by, again, like I just met this woman who has a degree in like history and political science mm-hmm. and she's now a software engineer. And she became a software engineer by, I think she did like a bootcamp and like a hackathon and mm-hmm. she did self-taught to code and now she's a software engineer. That's amazing. And when I saw in her profile, I was not only inspired and just like, it was so validating, you right. know, it was so validating, like, oh my goodness, like we can totally do it. And she mm-hmm. happens to be Latina. So oh, shout wow. out to her. Yes, yeah, um, uh, si yes, all yes, over. yes, yes. And it's super inspirational and it just makes me so happy, really. 
to, to awesome. see these, the, this progress. Thank you so much for answering these questions and for sharing your story. Uh, I think that and you're an example for a lot of people, in, including myself, just the fact that you made this journey, you made it all work, and this si se puede mentality. You want to pivot? Okay, let's find a way. Anything else you'd like to add to our audience of professionals, students, people that listen to this podcast? Yeah, well, thank you, first of all, for inviting me and for having this amazing space to share and learn and connect. And I do want to make myself available to connect with people. Sure. And, you know, and just yeah, sure. if there's anything I can do to support anyone and their process. I'm also very much about like women empowerment and all these other things, but mm. we don't have time to talk about that. Yeah, but we will do another episode just <laughs> about that because, you know, this platform is for all of us. Yes, there are Latinos yes, yes. Who tech, so. so if there's anything I can do to just provide some inspiration or support or, you know, concrete, I don't know, frameworks or skills sure. for making that transition, I'm happy to help. Awesome. Well, we'll add your info to the show notes. Yes. Uh, Erika. Thank you. Muchas gracias. Muchas gracias, Hugo. Buen día. <laughs>